Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the June 13th edition. The three things for today, starting with ending the series on mastery. I got a lot of value from this book, one of which is these three types that George Leonard brings up identifying which type I played in which part of my life at some point of time really helped frame things for me and understand more from those successes or those failures. I have no doubt that you will immediately identify with one of the three. But the crucial thing you should remember is in what activity are you identifying with what persona? The second one would will be the three quotes as usual for this week, slightly longer ones. And thankfully, uh, nothing too obtuse. And the final piece I'd like to talk about today on mental models and when they go wrong or when they don't help us much when we have the wrong idea. And I'm going to use uh, substituting rice for quinoa or something like that. That is basically letting go of the grain we've been eating forever and eating something else that doesn't really go with our food. Okay, so... Let's get going. The first one, finishing up the series on mastery. So quickly recap the three personas, the dabbler, well, you know, flitting from one to the other, doing well, and then at the first plateau, getting bored and moving on to the next one. The obsessive, well, not taking no for an answer, not worrying about uh, peace or mental health or happiness, but I see wall, I'm going to blast through this wall, come what may. And the third type, the hacker, who takes shortcuts, who doesn't really approach it step by step, but goes to a reasonable level of skill, and then just bums around there. Now, this is one powerful lens, these three persona types. Personally, I was able to look across many years and episodes in my life and learn a lot more from failures, of course, but funnily from my successes as well. Previously, I would attribute a lot of my successes to, well, some form of, well, of course, or uh, blind luck. And from failures, well, you just wanna move on and don't wanna have those uncomfortable thoughts. But instead, 
using these three uh, types of personas as a, as a lens to frame things, I realized why I was successful in certain situations and why I failed in certain situations and how I could have done better or how I can learn to repeat a successful pattern. And getting even more uncomfortable, I thought I could shine this on me today and pick something that I can do better at. It's okay if I am you know, dabbling with something new every three months. That's fine. I know I'm dabbling and that's clear. It's okay if I go and play badminton occasionally with my friends, not really trying to improve. I'll just be a hacker there. Okay, that's fine. But is there anything where there is a mismatch? And yep, there certainly is. Writing. I'm a hack. And that is something I would like to change. I started writing again sometime last year because I wanted to have an outlet for my ideas and to communicate better with you. And I haven't really worked on it. I mean, while I work and ensure I write a post, I haven't really gotten better at writing. And of course, there are a zillion things that go into writing of which I don't know most. So I thought this would be a good wake-up call personally. <coughs> Excuse me. And the point, especially upon reading the book a second time, the point is not just to stop with this one thing. Not that there's not going to be any use. It's a powerful tool, like I told you, and if this is all the impact has, it has, which is making me focus on my writing and attempting to not be one of those three types, that's a huge win. But that's also, that's also leaving a lot of things on the table. So any place where I seem to be doing a rush job, uh, you know, where I'm just phoning it in, where I can do lesser but better, I think these are all places to look into. Any place where I'd like improved results. At work, as a coach, as a leader, or at home as a husband or as a friend. If I can shift this mindset, I think it's a good idea. And I realize I didn't really learn much from watching uh, The Karate Kid the first time when, well, when I was younger. It's like the wax on, wax off uh, scene. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel how to, well, 
clean his car, wax his car rather, and it turns out to be the base for one of his movements in fighting as well. I'm going to use one excerpt from the book to close this thought because the point is mastery can be a mindset across the board in terms of how we live So, here's the quote. Take dishwashing, for example. You can perform that chore in a hurried and haphazard way, with your main goal being to get it behind you as quickly as possible. Or you can do it as a meditation, a dance. Go for efficiency, elegance, and grace in your motions. Avoid hasty shortcuts. Rather than thinking about getting the job finished and going on to something else, stay wholly focused on the moment, on the task at hand. Above all, don't hurry. Life is filled with opportunities for practicing the inexorable, unhurried rhythm of mastery, which focuses on process rather than product, yet which paradoxically, often ends up creating more and better products in a shorter time than does the hurried, excessively goal-oriented rhythm that has become standard in our society. Making this rhythm habitual takes practice. End quote. Yeah, somehow this just resonates and Hopefully, this is something I can keep in mind for the uh, rest of my life because there are no shortcuts and the successful path to mastering anything is to practice for the sake of it, to enjoy it and to enjoy being on a plateau and lifting weights or strength training, something I've been on the path for slightly longer than, well, most of the things in my life. There are just so many lessons I've learned from there. In fact, pretty much every relevant bit of growing up I've done has happened there. So wouldn't that be so wonderful and powerful if that can happen in so many other parts of my life as well? And before we close this off, how about we make this a little bit more application-oriented, a little bit more interactive? Your turn. Use this lens. Pick one thing. Pick one thing in your life where things aren't going the way you think they should be. Take responsibility and switch from one of those three types to being on the path of mastery. Let's see what happens. Cool. On to the next one. The three quotes for this week. 
the first one from the Vietnamese Zen monk Thich Nhat Hanh. We are in such a rush, looking for happiness in one place and then another. We walk like sleepwalkers without any enjoyment of what we are actually doing. We're walking, but in our minds, we're already doing something else. Planning, organizing, worrying. There is no more need to run. Every time we return our attention to our breath and our steps, it is as if we wake up. Every step brings us back to the here and the now. We can touch the earth and see the sky and notice all the wonders in between. In each step, there is the possibility of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. End quote. Since last March, I've been reading a lot of his work. And about the same time, I started dabbling with meditation. And thankfully, I moved on from being a dabbler over there. And this mindfulness thing as well, while a year <laughs> ago I was completely and utterly clueless, I've made huge <laughs> progress and advanced one step to mostly clueless. A, a year ago, uh, unfortunately, this quote would have made little sense to me but thankfully it makes makes some sense today and even a simple drill that i use while working it's just one of these tibetan bells ringing every 20 or 30 minutes yeah of course there's an app for that and I just take a pause and take a breath or two and this little bit of punctuation to my day seems to make some difference. I'm not able to understand the why or the what, but it just does. The second quote by Anthony DeMello Something has upset you. Did you hear that expression? Something has upset you. That's the way the English language is. That's the way all languages are. Something upset me. Nothing upset you. The accurate way to speak would be, I upset myself on the occasion of something. But who speaks like that? You say, you upset me. No. Your behavior caused me to get upset. We hate that, don't we? We love to make the world responsible. Our people responsible. Our life responsible. Our God responsible. You did it. Not the upset. End quote. How we frame things is so powerful. Framing things 
you know if we can not guilt ourselves or blame others and just take responsibility and move on just brilliant again this is an author i found only last year yeah just definitely somebody who resonates a whole lot with me all right the last quote and this one's from the book mastery which i've been talking about for the past few weeks early in life we're urged to study hard so that we'll get good grades we're told to get good grades so that we'll graduate from high school and get into college we're told to graduate from high school and get into college so that we'll get a good job we're told to get a good job so that we can buy a house and a car again and again we're told to do one thing only so that we can get something else we spend our lives stretched on an iron rack of contingencies end quote i think you should just mull on that i i certainly did and it's it's something i keep coming back to so on to the last thing for today on mental models on subbing out rice or wheat or whatever your staple grain is for a fancy schmancy oh this is so much better grain so let's start with mental models i'm going to steal quote i mean from james clear a mental model is an explanation of how something works it is an overarching term for any concept framework or world view that you carry around in your mind mental models help you understand life for example supply and demand is a mental model that helps you understand how the economy works mental models also guide your perception and behavior they are the thinking tools that you use to understand life make decisions and solve problems mental models are imperfect but useful end quote so we need mental models well and we have mental models we use them all the time because you don't really need all the gory details of how something works we just need our mental model of it which abstracts most of the fluff sometimes though we try a shortcut or a flawed method because of a flawed mental model now i'm not saying that's the only reason i'm just saying that's what i'm going to address today when we have that wrong concept about how something works and well that inevitably leads to not getting the desired result now i'm a huge fan of n equal to 1 experiments as a 
as an, an actual scientific experiment, they are useless. But, well, I think personally, of course, n equal to 1 experiments are all that matter. If, I don't know, you know, standing in the corner of your room for 35 seconds and resting your head against the wall helps you sleep better. Well, who cares if it works or doesn't work for somebody else? It works for you, right? And that's all that is. So I learn and I steal from my students liberally, right? And I add, add to my toolbox. Many times their approaches are, are quite inspiring. And while it will be one of these n equal to one situations, I try to steal the core principle from there and add it to my coaching toolbox. And I try to coach that to other people. Which is an interesting challenge, but hey, that's the fun part. Now, most of us struggle with pretty much the same things. Right? We work too much, we're too busy, we stress eat, we eat too much or we eat too little or we eat too poorly, we're not getting enough sleep, we're not eating enough of the good stuff, we're eating too much of the bad stuff, ah, same stuff. So learning from their struggles, learning from their shortcuts, learning from their attempted shortcuts, these are all things that I observe and add. Now, just a simple disclaimer, almost every silly and stupid thing that there's, there can be done, I've done it. Every silly shortcut, the GM diet, the, the vibrating belt that tones your abs, uh, hundreds, hundreds of these. So, yeah, not uh, on any high horse or any such thing, okay? So, back to topic. When I started this uh, coaching thing, I thought my job was to provide solutions. I realize now that it is about guiding people and helping them solve their problems. Of course, I have to provide solutions where solutions are needed. For example, the best possible training plan that I can write for their needs. That's on me. That's a solution I write and I implement with a coaching syllabus. You know, me, that's what me and my team do at the quad. So this is how we will progress you. So there's a very thoughtful, thorough solution. But other things, not able to sleep. I'm not able to show up to class. Well, the solution is simple. Go to bed on time, don't dick around on Netflix and don't hit snooze and show up to class. Solved. Except, right, it is 
similar to, hey, how do I make money in the stock market? Well, it's simple. Buy low and sell high, right? So solutions are useless here. Instead, I need to guide my students to helping them figure out their own solution because this is an N equal to one situation. And these conversations are brilliant, phenomenally illuminating, personally. And on occasion, I find that they are trying to do something because of a flawed mental model. Previously, my reaction was just wrong. Nah, that won't work. Or, hey, here's why it won't work. But what I've realized is the more powerful approach is to talk about the mental model and maybe point them towards the right mental model. Because you're smart enough. You can solve this yourself. And when you solve it for yourself, it'll be a perfect customized solution for you. Uniquely tailored for you by you. And I can never do that as well as you can. So what if I just try to give you the tools to do that? And that's the idea behind this post. So what I think is a flawed idea is a bunch of folks trying to find a better substitute for rice. I've seen my mom do this as well, replacing rice with millets and or quinoa or whatever. Okay. My, my mom's South Indian has grown up eating, you know, sambar and rasam and all that all her life. Does, you know, sambar and curry with white rice versus with millets or quinoa? Uh, yeah, why would you do that to yourself, right? But folks seem to do this because of a combination of the following thought process. One, rice does not have that many nutrients. Rice is bad for you. Rice makes you fat. Rice makes you unhealthy. And these fancy fancy grains have more nutrients than rice. Well, there's nothing inherently, factually inaccurate about any of those. But, you know, we're not playing trump cards. Um, I don't know if you ever had a chance to play trump cards when you, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the 90s, these, these were huge guys. Yeah, it's, you compare things like, hey, I am... The, my guy, this is Breath the Hitman Heart, uh, rank number one beats your whoever it is, give me all your cards, that kind of stuff. So yeah, if we're playing, you know, just comparing numbers, then sure, quinoa would beat rice. Sure, uh, millets would beat rice. But the flaw in reasoning is we need to improve on the grain on our plate as an isolated matter. To be clear, there's no harm in doing this. Okay, not at all. I'm not trying to nitpick here. But 
I'm simply saying if the idea is to have more nutrients, then there's a simpler and better way to go about it. Why do we have grains on our plate? Why are our plates centered around grain is what I mean. Well, 100 years ago, we struggled to get enough calories in. And this is not just 100 years ago, okay? Thousands and thousands of years ago. Calories were the problem. Energy was the problem. Finding enough energy. And grains are an easy source of calories, like 100 grams of rice versus 100 grams of, say, broccoli. And the cost per calorie as well, well, grains are much cheaper. But today, that's not the issue. We are not facing a problem of getting enough. In fact, our problem is we're getting too many calories and not enough nutrients, which is why you're trying to solve this problem by replacing rice with a better grain. But you need to look at the entire plate. So instead of trying to replace one portion with a slightly better uh, number advantage, you just need to construct a more balanced plate. A simple guideline I use with my students, the amount of veggies you're eating and the amount of rice or grain you're eating, well, make that the same. And if you have room for one more guideline, well, have some protein with each meal. Now, these two changes alone will vastly improve what you're trying to do, which is improve the nutrient density of your meals. In addition, it also has the advantage that you're not going, you're going to consume a little less energy, which is good because most of us eat way more than we need. Which is the reason we put on fat. Fat does not come from a macronutrient. That is, body fat does not come from a macronutrient. Body fat comes from us eating more than we utilize. That's it. So, rice is not the problem. Carbs are not the problem. Fats are not the problem. Protein is not the problem. Most of the time, you trying to avoid the obvious is the problem. So, eat more vegetables. Eat some protein, drink some water. Figure out the right mental model. And you can craft your own N equal to 1 solution. I hope you found this useful. Thank you for spending a portion of your Sunday with me. I look forward to next week. Until then, this is Coach AA signing off. Bye-bye.